Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's uh, episode 127. It almost wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> because it's Labor Day weekend weekend here in the United States, which means, yeah, number one, half the free world was off of work last week, including, I'm sure, everybody at the offices of DC and Marvel <laughs> and Image and Dark Horse. So there wasn't a hell of a lot in comic book news. They unchained them from their desks and they ran. <laughs> or they or they unchained themselves in a bloody riot, whatever. <laughs> but... <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, there wasn't a hell of a lot in the way of comics news. We are in between summer movie release season and TV premiere season, so there's not a lot to go through there. Plus, it's a three-day weekend for us, yeah. and I like whiskey occasionally. <laughs> so it was, there was a we talked a little bit about, oh, uh, maybe we'll let this go and yeah, just uh, go out and eat a bunch of stuff and uh, and get drunk. But we, uh, <laughs> I looked at the calendar, and Sunday, the 4th, the, the day that we're putting this on the air, so to speak, uh, is the fifth, I don't know how, the fifth anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Midlives in one form or another. Our, <laughs> uh, our website slash podcast is now old enough to go to kindergarten. Right, and if it could get the fuck out of the house and let me sleep on a Saturday <laughs> or a Sunday, that'd be nice. And not keep me up until midnight fucking doing shit on Sundays. Nice. I got work on Mondays, God damn it. At least he's not bringing his idiot friends over here. That's true. We'll call that good. He's not playing with my toys. True. Yeah, it's it just it feels weird. It was just this sort of side thing that we kind of put together. Well, it was after San Diego Comic-Con in 2011. Yes. And I was in the worst day job I ever had. I was miserable, and every day was... <laughs> I would literally walk twice around the building before I went in, trying Ugh. to extend before I had to go in there. And was just miserable getting up every day. It's just like, I, there's got to be something better than this. But it was a new job also. It was one of those rare jobs where you learn within three or four days, I've made a terrible fucking mistake. Yeah. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, why did I do oh, this? No. <laughs> but yeah, in the meantime, the job you left is already gone. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I guess I got to sit here for a while. And yeah, Amanda came up with the idea, why don't we do a podcast? And I said, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. And then we had another drink. <laughs> well, that's how it went for weeks. I mean, when did you first suggest it? Were we in San Diego? We, we were in San Diego. We were at the Hyatt Bar. and I, I never remember much of the Hyatt Bar. We so. were at the Hyatt Bar, and um, I proposed. I even gave it the same. I said, we could call it, you know, Crisis on Infinite Midlives, because we're old. And <laughs> I, I believe I said, fuck you, and then that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, is that Keith Given? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was. <laughs> there was either. no restraining order afterwards, no. so probably not. <laughs> right, I was probably just drunkenly shrieking at some gentleman <laughs> in his 60s. Where's Ambush Bug? <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> I'm here for next week's dental floss convention. <laughs> just arrived early. <laughs> so, yeah, we were, we were drunk at a bar, go figure. And, uh, yeah, we, we conceived it as, as a way to sort of blow off some steam creatively because day jobs you know, pay the rent and everything, but they can also be soul sucking. And if you're going in and every day begins with what fresh hell is this? You might need an outlet. <laughs> oh, and there was fresh hell. Plus, we've talked about it before on the show. Amanda and I both have backgrounds in stand up comedy. I'd done radio before. All that stuff was in the rear view. So, yeah, initially it's all right, we'll do a podcast, but it's also we'd never done one before. Right. And also, yeah, getting a 
domain set up and WordPress on it and figuring out, okay, well, where do you put your podcast? That took a while. And we have long histories of saying, <laughs> this is an excellent idea while we're shit-faced. Yeah. And then taking two or three steps and going, oh, no, this is hard and I'm lazy and tired and I don't want to do it. That's like last night, um, somewhere on my third bottle of, of red wine, I decided that I really should take up boxing. <laughs> we, were, we were watching a Rocky marathon. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. You tried to show me your stats. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, it wasn't Tybo, but I spent a long time uh, using the the videotapes of Rachel Hunter and her kickboxing aerobic workout. So. Yeah, I, I know less than nothing, but I was really drunk last night. Yeah. I was so drunk. Yeah, you weren't quite <laughs> at the... What if I train as a Southpaw? Like, Amanda, you can barely move. You were in special gym as a child. <laughs> like, <laughs> and what is Southpaw? Tell me what it is. It's lefty. I, well, <laughs> after a long conversation last night, yes, we established that's probably what it was. There's a whole movie about that. You didn't quite get to the point where you were ordering boxing gloves on Amazon. But, no, no. But that was probably another two glasses of wine in. Thank God we passed out on the couch. I did really order Attack of the Mushroom People. Oh, my God. Like Why? A, a long, like a, a long forgotten Toho production where, where people turn into mushrooms because nuclear stuff. Yeah. See, the funny thing is, <laughs> yeah, last night on AMC was a Rocky marathon, and we started with Rocky two after about uh, nine beers. And being drunk, I ordered... Yeah, I'm just going to order these all on Blu-ray. <laughs> By the time we got to Rocky Four, I'm like, I've made a terrible fucking mistake. <laughs> these are awful. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing we do. We'll get drunk and be like, this is an awesome idea. And it's like, no, that's stupid. So I didn't want to spend a hell of a lot of money on the podcast stuff. I, I bought like a $70 like travel mixer. You did? Well, not last night. This is when we started oh, okay. the podcast. <laughs> So, and it literally, you could plug two microphones in it and jack it into the computer, and that was all that we had. Right. And we didn't we didn't know any. You know, I'd done radio, but it was I was a disc jockey. There was music in the show. I didn't have to figure out how to talk for an hour or two hours. So we'd get hammered ahead of time. If you listen to our early episodes, oh. don't listen to our early episodes. <laughs> they are still available. Treat them like weird back matter. Like. <laughs> Like, oh, really? They came from this? Holy shit. Yeah, those first 10, 12 episodes <laughs> that we did over the course of like four years because we realized, oh, no, show planning's hard. And it's, it's, I thought it was easier to write every day. So it became a written comic news and yes. opinion thing. But, you know, you write 500 to 3,000 words a day for three years. It gets a little tiring. Yeah, so the creative outlet to blow off some steam was beginning to turn into its own certain level of, of stress, and that's no fun. Yeah, and so it's like, at that point, it's like, well, all right, maybe we go back to the podcast. But it's like, uh, no, doing this sucks, because we both had, to, with the way we had it set up, we had to sit in front of our own desks, which were next to each other. So we couldn't even look at each other while we were doing the show. Yeah, making and, eye contact is hard. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, any of the stuff that made doing radio fun, like stupid sound effects and you know things like. I, we Why could, do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. You know that's I'm true. I'm sorry God. about Rocky Four. <laughs> Only a little. Uh, trust me, you're not the one who has to be I sorry about Rocky you. Four. No. <laughs> it's the, the cocaine should have been on the fucking writers' credits of that fucking. Ugh. But anyway... Dolph Lundgren has a degree in chemistry. What the hell was he doing? <laughs> Fuck Rocky. This is a comic book show. <laughs> Rocky on the brain for two days. Every Rocky movie in the world will be here by tonight. That's how drunk I was. It was like, oh no, give me all of them, plus Creed, and I want them by tomorrow for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, they'll be here tonight, and they'll go in the closet with every other Blu-ray I've bought for the last two months. We'll watch them eventually. Yes. I say as we come into September when The Flash is going to be debuting soon, <laughs> and Supergirl. And-, and and I'm easily distracted by a marathon of just about anything. Like today was the classic Ninja Warrior on the Esquire channel. I'm like, yes, this, this is my jam. I just sat there transfixed on the floor. Well, because that was glorious. Compared to American Ninja Warrior, people got injured. Horribly, grievously. And they fell into mud instead of water. It was... <laughs> well, and uh, and the subtitles are are just classic, and, and they had these. I mean, there are certainly like weird characters that show up on the American one, but there was this one guy that was like stripped down like a red loincloth today, and then the announcer says, and here's how, here's how they subtitled it: "We are now familiar with his naked body." Like what? <laughs> I apologize for that. I was drunk and I got a plane. <laughs> so they had anyway. mu- they had much better characters on yes Ninja Warrior. That's how I spent my day today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, clearly no time was spent planning this show by either one of us. <laughs> I read the books. The, so did I. Yeah, it's, we'll talk about a few comic books. But but yeah, it's it reached a point where it's like, all right, well, I don't want to do the podcast this way. And ironically, it turned out to be the exact opposite philosophy of when we first did the podcast, which is, well, I don't want to spend a lot of money in case we don't like doing it. Hmm. It was, oh no, I spent three years writing for this. I think the best thing I can do is spend a lot of money, and then I'll feel guilty if we don't do it. So ah. that's when I bought the mixer and the laptop and the boom mics and everything to make it a, a studio. And then it became fun. Yeah. So. Well, you clearly have found your element there amongst your, your electronics. Yes, I could do things I'm like... I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> so that's, that's all I need. There you go. Just something to get so I can hear the sound of my own voice in my headphones and press a button and get... Where's my whiskey funnel? That's all I ever wanted out of my life since I listened <laughs> to rock radio when I was a child in the 70s. Look at you, living and, the dream. And I get to talk about comic books while I'm doing it. <laughs> nobody did that on the radio in the no, 70s. nobody so did. It's hard to believe it's been, it does not seem like it's been five years. No. At least I'm not at that goddamn job anymore. It must mean that we have fun doing this, because I would have stopped doing this once I got a better job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a very loose show today. Like, like I said, it's, it's a long weekend, and it's not going to be a long show. There's not a lot of comics news to talk about. Not a hell of a lot went on. So, yeah, we're just going to talk about two or three comic books. We'll ramp things up to the, the normal hour and a half, two hour. That two, you've come to love. Yeah, or, or to say, <laughs> Christ, another two hours? Jesus, my commute's only 40 <laughs> minutes. I never fit in the last 20, but they run out of steam by then anyway. Or Rob's entertainingly drunk. Either way, it works out. Either way. So yeah, five years. Uh, everybody who's hung in from the beginning, and there are a few of you, I know. Thanks. We're we're not done yet. Nope. I don't think we're going out drinking as soon as we're done with this show. <laughs> Anything could end like that. Exactly. But... We're going to brave drinking in Cambridge. Uh, there's no braving <laughs> drinking in Cambridge. The bad part of Cambridge is still richer than Greece's. Yeah, we're drinking in a place where I think we're within sight of design, within reach or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If you can walk to Harvard, you can do it at 2 o'clock in the morning, yeah. blind drunk. This is true. We're going to be fine. Although the college kids are back. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. So let's try not Yay, to... Yay, we're drinking with amateurs. Yeah, well, let's, let's try not to park. How does that sound? Right, that sounds the good. parking will be terrible. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just hover. <laughs> we'll, we'll get an Uber. It's just better for everybody. <laughs> There's the five years, and hopefully sometime in the next five, somebody will recognize this as an actual press outlet. Oh, don't roll your eyes. I'm not rolling my eyes. I was I was going to try to figure out how to not awkwardly seg into, so have you been following the Spider-Man Homecoming movie news? 
Actually, this week I haven't. Why is there something? Yes, casting uh, everybody in the free goddamn. Everybody's world in it. everybody's in this movie. I might be in this movie. Am I in this movie? It's possible. I don't know what the fuck happened. John Favreau has been. He's gonna do Happy Hogan again. <laughs> Why not? Isn't he still listed as an executive producer of everything that Marvel comes out with? He might be. John Favreau probably never has to do anything else again in his life. He could. He could go full insane person. He could go full Howard Hughes, just grow out the toenails and <laughs> shriek at the wall, pee in a mason jar. It's so weird. Like He wasn't the one that was going to break out of, of, what was it, Swingers? Um, it was <laughs> oh, God, no. Vince Vaughn. Everybody's money was on Vince Vaughn, and I think he's probably just homeless somewhere at this yeah. point. Oh, Vince will show up for a hot meal. Hustling for nickels. At this point. It's a, what, <laughs> a, a movie sponsored by Google? Has the check cleared? <laughs> I'm not going until the che- the check's cleared. Okay, all right, we got a movie. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, Vince Vaughn at this point, it would be like, you know, let me pitch this to you, uh, Vince. This is, it's not, it's it's like the Lego movie, but it's sort of a knockoff. It's it's like the, you know, Lock Blocks movie. And <laughs> <laughs> like the GoBots movie. The GoBots. <laughs> yeah, the Build-A-Bear movie. <laughs> it's, it's he was like, wrong and you knew it. It's heartwarming. It'll be for Christmas. It'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, it's not heartwarming. I feel like I'm having a stroke. I think that's very different. It's extremely different. The Stretch Armstrong movie. So Favreau's coming back as Happy Hogan? Yes. On one hand, I'm surprised, because what was that movie he did? We we just saw it, Chef? Yeah. That was so clearly a thinly veiled meta statement of, I want to get back to doing art again after I've done this this big Marvel media. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the next thing he does? Yeah, our Spider-Man? All right, I'll be there. <laughs> But yeah, everybody's in this movie. John Favreau's in this. Michael Keaton's in it as the Vulture. Have we confirmed it's the Vulture? Pretty sure it's the Vulture. Okay. Donald Glover is in this movie. We're not sure in what capacity. And for a while, there was this whole campaign to get him to be either Peter Parker or Miles Morales. So I'd be really curious. He'd have been fine as either one. Yeah. Although I like, who's this kid? Tom Holland? Yes. It's a, I like An actual teenager playing a teenage peanut. Pe- uh, Peener. Teenage Peener? What <laughs> fucking movie is this? This is brain damage from, from all of the red wine. P- Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Peener. <laughs> it's a whole different Axel Braun parody. I'm sure nobody ever yelled that at Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, that's why he turned to wrestling. I just want to beat on people. I have powers. Excellent. The beatings can begin. <laughs> Commence beatings. <laughs> Who else is in this movie? There's Hot What's-Her-Face, who's going to be Aunt May. <laughs> Marissa Tomei. Right, right. The, the idea that somebody's calling her hot what's-her-face is she probably just lit up with a grin. Brain damage. Yeah, and she was fine in Civil War, so... Yeah. I don't see any She's there for all of five minutes. But I, I am. <laughs> do we talk about this in, in some other episode? Just I do want to see Tony Stark come out in like one of her bathrooms. Yo, kid, it's just pour himself, pour himself a glass of orange juice. <laughs> I think Benari said that. In yeah, yeah, no, that would be great, I, and probably will happen. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. It's we're in a weird place with Marvel movies. I mean, I look forward to all of them, but the, the level of looking forward to that I had for like Civil War or Avengers, that's kind of fallen off. Like Doctor Strange, yeah, that'll be fun, but I'm not sitting here going, uh, 128 days till Doctor Strange. <laughs> Even Avengers Infinity War, or whatever they're going to rename it to, number one, I mean, probably the two I'm look, looking most forward to are Spider-Man Homecoming and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 at this point. Definitely. Definitely Guardians of the Galaxy 2. 
I'm looking forward to that in a way that I can't even begin to describe. Kurt Russell's going to be in it somewhere. I think he's playing the Living Planet. Ego, the Living Planet. Yeah, <laughs> that can't be true. I, I think I read that somewhere. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Why not? You think Bruce Campbell? But close enough <laughs> for Ego, the Living Planet. But Kurt Russell will do fine, I guess, for whatever ego is. <laughs> I want to see Ego, the Living Planet, say, "Call the president." <laughs> I'm just, it's, it feels like a weird place where it's, all the groundwork has been set, and for a few years it was, I can't believe I'm seeing this kind of storytelling in movies, and now it's like everywhere, to so that level of excitement's sort of hit a simmer. Look, it's hard to complain if you're a comic book geek, it's like, oh yeah, there's going to be even more movies set in cinematic universes, but that initial, holy shit, they're building to Avengers, the holy shit, they're continuing to build to Civil War II and an old-fashioned superhero punch-out? Yeah, it's kind of sort of hit medium simmer. It's still cooking, but it's uh, it's not quite. Superman versus Batman didn't help. No, <laughs> no, it did not help. Suicide Squad uh, at least kept it on an even keel. It was better than better than I thought it was going to be. That's it. That's pretty much all you can say. I mean, we had all episode where we said it was better than people said it was. We think. <laughs> no, I'll I'll stand by it. I'll have to see it again on DVD. I'm not going back to the the theaters on that one. So no. as we work our way through all the Rocky movies. Yeah, bullshit. I bought all the goddamn Dirty Harry movies like two or three months ago. We haven't even touched them. I think Dirty Harry's next. <laughs> okay. All right. Although all this talk of, of Kurt Russell's making me think of Jack Burton. I may want to revisit Big Trouble in Little China. Hey, we've got it. I've had it in every media version that it ever came out in. So we'll, we can throw the Blu-ray in later. I am Groot. Yes, it's all in the reflexes. <laughs> Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> So is there anything else about Spider-Man? <laughs> that was a direction I did not think we were going to go in. I thought we were going to do a tight half Oh, no, we went and, there. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Spider-Man on a comics <laughs> culture podcast. We're heroes. We are. <laughs> we are. We saved Billy. He's with Jeebus now. <laughs> you just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> so uh, we have some books we could talk about. All right, yeah. Why don't we talk about the books? Uh, again, it's going to be a short show this week. Sorry. <laughs> we'll refund your money. No. <laughs> All right. Which one do you want to talk about? First? Well, since we talked about the Suicide Squad movie, um, I was very pleased to see that this week we had a John Ostrander Suicide Squad book. Yes. Uh, it's like a supersized one, too. It's like a double issue. Yep. Suicide Squad special war crimes, number one, although I don't think there's going to be a two. <laughs> Please let there be a two. Well, yeah, it's uh, written by John Ostrander, art by Gus Vasquez and Carlos Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, can we just let John Ostrander write Suicide Squad for forever? Yes. I like what Rob Williams has done in the first couple of issues of Suicide Squad Rebirth and Suicide Squad 1. I think he's doing a pretty decent job, clearly pushing it in the direction of the movie mm. as opposed to the old school. This particular issue, the Ostrander issue, has... Obviously, the characters from the movie. We've got El Diablo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got El Diablo is alive, which gives me hope for if there's another Suicide Squad movie that El Diablo will be alive. Of course, he'll be alive. He's Again, a fire elemental. <laughs> we've already made the connections. We established everything that was there for Fire Elemental when we talked about the actual movie, yep. and then they announced Justice League Dark. Yes, he's a fire elemental. Trust me, he's fine. <laughs> he'll be back. There's money to be made. He'll be back. He'll be back. But anyway, so we got movie characters. So yeah, movie characters, uh, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is now going to be attached to Suicide Squad from here until the gates of hell erupt. 
yep. uh, the same way that Deadshot was from the 1980s. Although this was my one of my favorite Harleys in a while, so I'm psyched. Yeah, it was a fairly <laughs> consistent Harley that wasn't utterly insane, and she wasn't slutty. Yeah, she's all roller derbied up. Yeah, more of a costume like the movie. Uh, we're never going to see the Harlequin costume again. Probably not, no. But yeah, it's a decent characterization. One of my favorite parts in this book, spoilers, was, and I think the way Ostrander did it was perfect in that just sort of, it happened off panel. So (laughs) it doesn't have to make sense. It just happened Mm. where Harley meets Shadow, Shadow, who was the antagonist from Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters. And And occasional love interest of Arrow in the show, if you happen to watch that. Right. (laughs) But yeah, and she's just doing full ninja, you know, turn back or you will be killed. And Harley says, you know martial arts, but I know crazy. And then we go through a whole page, and then it's just Harley coming back from the battle with the Secretary of Defense. (laughs) (laughs) And Secretary of Defense is, she wouldn't stop hitting the ninja with that bat. So we never see what happens. There's no explanation as to how Harley could possibly have the skills to defeat the ninja, but it's a comic book, yeah. and Harley Quinn is a protagonist. So yeah, okay, that's what happens. And she's crazy. It does not need to be explained, and it was it was a fun beat. Yeah, and and honestly, for something like that, it's better that you play that out in your head based on the other character's reaction than to to try to put it in the book because whatever you're going to think of is going to be wackier than anything they would have drawn. Yeah, and it was that was a weakness of the Suicide Squad movie. You know, oh, everybody everywhere has guns and there's monsters and uh, yeah, and girl in hot pants with a bat. Yeah. And they had to sort of force it to make sense. It, it doesn't have to make sense. You don't even need to see it. Just, okay, fine. If this is a thing we want to happen, it happens over there. It was a good moment. Yeah. And uh, we have classic Amanda Waller in this. Yeah, I think that's after Rebirth, that's what we're going to get. Which is, what, that's what I want. It's what I said when they, they fucked her up in New 52. Yeah, it's they've gotten a lot of the elements back and right. Particularly seeing Ostrander write it. Yeah, some of the old stuff was there. You know, the old theater room bullpen from the original comic where they'd give the briefings. I don't think I've seen that yeah. in Rob Williams uh, for a while. The overtly political-based stories. This is a black op. Mm-hmm. This is not... Oh, oh, we have to go defeat this villain somewhere. No, they're undercover. There's a plan. It's heavily politically motivated. It's kind of based on real events. There's enough here you can see exactly who the Secretary of Defense is supposed to be in the real world. Yeah, There's it's enough, a pretty clear analog. Yeah, enough references to real people. You can You can get what he's talking about very easily, but again, influenced by the real world. Yeah. This is a comic book that... Yeah, you know, the the first appearance of Suicide Squad in Legends was Amanda Waller talking with Ronald Reagan mm. to get the the approval to do the Black Ops with the Suicide Squad slash Task Force X. Yeah, that was always a part of Ostrander's book. That's kind of fallen away, particularly since the movie came out. There were for a while in the the New Fifty Two, there were some elements of it, and you could see politics behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, after. Oh, Christ, I'm drawing a blank. Alice Cott's uh, run where they they renumbered it, mm-hmm. and it was, oh, somebody else is in charge over Amanda Waller. It was uh, Charlie, uh, shit, it was the questions alter ego. Um, Vic Sage. Thank you. Yeah, was in charge. So that you could see some politics going on above it, but overtly there are political things going on in the world. The Suicide Squad is being deployed undercover to right the wrong it's not even right the wrongs in a John Ostrander book it's a 
implement policy, whether right. it's right or wrong is a whole different thing, particularly in this book, yes, where it's nothing but gray. Nobody's good and everybody's good. Everybody has pure motives and terrible motives, and it works out only in the sense of the status quo is maintained, and that's perfect John Astor and your Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, no, it, this... This had humor in the right places. It had it had real world Z politics in a way that didn't seem like it was screaming agenda in in you know all of the right places. Yep. Waller did her own dirty work when needed, which is a good character beat that you want to see more of. Yep. I loved everything about this book. I want more Ostrander Suicide Squad in my life, and if that means I have to go back and reread the old ones, so be it. But I want the idea of of more new Ostrander just seems very tantalizing. <laughs> well, he can clearly work with these characters and put them into situations that make more sense to, to what he clearly likes to write, mm-hmm. which to me, that's that's the money shot if we're going to do Suicide Squad. If I can't go back to 1986 and be 15 years old again, walking around with a constant half boner yeah. and just all the energy in the world and thin and <laughs> with my whole life ahead of me like a thunderbolt, yeah. then fine. Give me this kind of Suicide Squad. We'll call it even. I get No, that's a shitty trade. Now, other, other than they were using the movie as an excuse to introduce magic into the um, DC cinematic universe, I would have far rather that this book somehow had been adapted and been the movie. Yeah, actually, this story is better than the movie story. Yeah. There are a thousand Suicide Squad comic books <laughs> that are better than the movie story. But no, this had a whole sort of like 80s action movie, and I, I don't say that just because I've watched a lot of Rocky lately. <laughs> it, it has a very 80s action movie feel to it. And I think that's in part because you know it's it's Ostrander's sensibility, but the the villain the villains the what they call Strike Force Europa who kidnap the former Secretary of State in the first place. These these all these characters all look like somebody who who've walked out of like Commando or Predator or. <laughs> oh yeah, and that was always part of the the charm of the original Suicide Squad. There was a in the first issues of the series, it was the Jihad. And it was a very similar group of, uh, to the point where one of them in the Jihad had a similar power to one of them here, where, okay, super speed and short bursts. Yeah. Although, really, Ostrander handled that better with the Jihad, where, yeah, put this half speedster up against Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang might be a joke, but, <laughs> but he's an antagonist for the Flash. If there's anybody Boomerang can take out, it's somebody who's. Flash-like, but not even that good. Yeah. Oh, no, I've gone up against the one with all the powers. You're, you're not so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, none of this makes me forget those original Suicide Squad comics, but it's a good reminder of them. And even to... It's a much closer dead shot to the ones from the original comic books where he became a wisecracker in the movie. I, I like my dead shot nihilistic, and I don't care who lives and who dies, including myself, to the point where there, there was one moment you pointed out uh, what was it? Well, when um, Waller gives them the initial briefing in in the the bullpen room, <laughs> yeah, and tells everybody, oh, and by the way, you need to do this extraction within three minutes, or we're going to blow the nanobots in your head, and everybody freaks out. It's like, oh, fuck you, I'm not going. Ah, you just kill me now. And the only one who just sits there placidly through it is Deadshot. Yeah, that's my Deadshot. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Three minutes. Okay. I'll make it or I won't. <laughs> yeah, and you told me um, the story of, of how Ostrander came up with that idea. Yeah, I read an interview with John Ostrander with Chris Sims in Comics Alliance, I think it was last week, to promote this book. 
And he said he got the... Because the characterization of Deadshot, there really wasn't any when Suicide Squad started. There was the one appearance in Batman in the 50s mm-hmm. you know, in a domino mask and top hat and tails and the appearance in the Marshall Rogers Detective Comics run in the 70s that gave him the new costume. But that was really just about it. Mm. And Ostrander said he got the idea for his Deadshot characterization watching an interview with like a mob hitman who had killed a couple dozen people. And he said his eyes were just dead, and he told the interviewer, I don't give a shit about my life. Why should I care about anybody else's? And he said that's where Deadshot came from. Yeah, well, and, that makes sense. And that's my Deadshot. That's what I want. <laughs> so, And you got him, at least for one issue. At least for one issue. So yeah, if you're a fan of old school Suicide Squad, or even the new one, again, it's got Harley Quinn. Yep. It's, it's got Captain Boomerang. It's got Diablo. It's got Deadshot. Everything from the movie that you want. But uh, if you have fond memories of hearing Boomer Butt, yeah, this, <laughs> this is a, a nice trip back to memory lane. I really like this one. Yes. No, seriously, I recommend picking this up. But even if you're not like into Suicide Squad now, pick this up and tell me that you aren't after you read it. <laughs> yeah, no, very good comic book, particularly if you're, particularly if you're a fan yeah. of old school Suicide Squad. All right, conversely. Conversely. <laughs> Marvel's Suicide Squad. Which is uh, Thunderbolts. Yep, Thunderbolts, number four, uh, written by Jim Zub, art by John Malin. I think I wrote it. I'm going by yep. hastily scrawled notes. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I I like Jim Zub. I really liked Skull Kickers. That was a really fun book that I really got a kick out of. This run is just not hooking me in, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's a good question. I. I actually really like this. (laughs) Okay, well then you go first. Because I don't have anything... There's nothing I can say where it's like, this is a bad book. I like it because it reminds me to, on a certain level, it it pulls from some of the other runs that it's making me nostalgic for. So Jeff Parker's run, I really enjoyed. And there's some elements of that in here. Um, There's some elements from like old school Stormwatch and Authority with... with, uh, this little child that's super powered that they're babysitting. <laughs> yeah, who's actually uh, a fragment of the cosmic cube yes. made sentient from the the uh, assault on Pleasant Hill arc a few months ago. Yeah, I just have been getting a kick out of this, and it's it's run by Bucky. So you know, back in the day, Baron Zemo was you know, the big reveal that he he was running it. So at least they're sort of keeping it within the Captain America family, which I think is appropriate. Yeah, I, I can. Get how you'd like the parallels on that, but yeah, it's just, I don't know what it is. It, it, it's not exciting to me. And maybe it's as simple as, as with John Ostrander and Thunderbolts. My Thunderbolts were the Warren Ellis Thunderbolts. Yeah, which was an extraordinary run in and of itself. I like, I like the conceit they have right now. Uh, back at the end of Secret Wars and all of that, Nick Fury was revealed to be the man on the wall. And his job was to stop intergalactic threats from hurting Earth before it became an issue. Yeah, which was the beginning of the whole concept of preemptive action that has brought us to Civil War too. Yes, uh, and now that's Bucky's job. So Bucky is is running the the Thunderbolts to help him be the man on the wall. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, I I, I get the conceit. It's just no. But the funny part there is, you know, with the whole preemptive um, strike, they've run afoul of. <laughs> Um, Shield and the Avengers for for doing this job, but it's it's in line with what they're doing. It's just with different tools. Look, it it was fine, and seeing a bunch of super criminals for all intents and purposes 
trying to fight an analog of the Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> is, you know, it's kind of fun, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me. Part of it, I think, was the visual storytelling. There were pieces where I couldn't really tell what was going on. Mm-hmm. And part of it is also because the book isn't utterly compelling to me, I'm not, I don't even know who all these characters are off the top of my head. Okay. So I, I see the blonde woman attack Dr. Spectrum, but I don't know what she did. And it's a really narrow set of panels, so I can't really see what she did. And all I know is Dr. Spectrum disappeared. So it's like, I'm not even sure what's going on here. And yeah, the idea of, okay, Bucky with his bionic arm and a gun attacking Superman. All right, it's fun (laughs) to see that, but it's also, come on, I I know that (laughs) Hyperion is supposed to be Superman. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I mean, the blonde girl is reacting to the fact that the Batman analog just said, surrender or we're going to destroy you right now. And she was like, no, you're not. <laughs> and yeah, Dr. Spectrum happened to be uh, in the line of fire when, when she freaked out. Yeah. Look, I, <laughs> I get it. It's just for whatever reason. And I've read this one twice now. And I've read all of the issues since the first one. It's just it's kind of leaving me cold. And part of that may be, what's the name of the little girl who's the Cosmic Cube? Kobik. Yeah, Kobik is not thrilling to me. It's See, one of she the... reminds me of Baby Jenny. <laughs> Who's Baby Jenny? From Authority. Oh, all right. Well, all right, I can kind of see that. But yeah, the idea of, okay, we're all going to do this and be the man on the wall, but keep this infinitely powerful child happy and not killing people. I don't know, it's, it's not quite as compelling to me as something like Suicide Squad or Ellis's Thunderbolts, where it's, okay, we're all clearly, clearly drawn, savagely broken people, barely functioning, doing good only at gunpoint, mm. to the point where it's, it really is the, the parallels between Suicide Squad and Thunderbolts, and particularly in the last 10 years, are just everywhere. True. Yeah, to the point of, yes, we'll blow up the bomb and you're whatever. Knowing Ellis, it was probably not the head. I don't remember <laughs> off the top of my head, but... Um, yeah, I forget what he, he did to keep them in line, but, well, I mean, Norman Osborn was running them, so... Right. <laughs> so there's the implied threat of, it's Norman Osborn, so... Yeah, so it's, I don't have a lot to say about this book. It's, I read it, and it was, okay, that's a thing that happened. Okay. So you, you, you weren't psyched about it. I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's, it's no Suicide Squad. Yes, I think, I think we can... I don't know. Can we agree on that? I think we can agree on that. Okay. It's hard because I, I like Jim Zub. I really want to be liking this. It's just, it's leaving me cold. That's okay. And uh, for reasons I can't particularly articulate, it's it's not it's not a turd. It's not a, this is terrible, but take it off my pulls. It's just, uh, all right. It, to me, it's a mid-level, bottom of the pulls. Uh, I read it after I've read all the other stuff. Okay. And uh, hopefully, it'll, hopefully it'll turn around, but yeah, I wish I... <laughs> I wish I could say it was shit because it would make better radio. <laughs> I'd have something to say about it. Um, I think a positive thing uh, is it's not a it's not a DC rebirth book, so you didn't have to worry about the fact that you might at any time see Doctor Manhattan. No, all right, that's true. But what I do have to worry about is I will see uh, brainwashed Hydra Captain America, which was implied in here. Oh, I've been trying to read. Even yeah. that was that was one moment I did like in this. It's like I've been trying to reach Captain America. It's, uh, have you been scrambling our communications? It's like, well, I'm going to start. Would you stop calling the Avengers? We're on the run. <laughs> that was a good moment. All right, good- I'll give it that. That Th- was solid. Yes, because that's an awesome character. <laughs> so, all right, there's something good I could take out of it. Norbert. I love that. <laughs> All 
All right, actually, we're not doing bad on time. Do you want to do Uncanny Avengers 13? Yes, because your your discussion of Ostrander watching the interview with uh, that inspired Deadshot kind of gave me a giggle when we got to... We're going to talk about Civil War II Uncanny Avengers 13, which is uh, Gary Duggan and Ryan Stegman art. Yes. So in this book, Deadpool decides he's going to break Hawkeye out of prison. Hawkeye's in prison because he killed Bruce Banner. So he feels a certain sense of solidarity <laughs> in terms of, um, you know, he's going to be put away for life. We can't have that happen. He's one of ours. Yeah. The What really worked for me in this was Duggan. I'll never pronounce his name right. It's It's... <laughs> It's very clearly spelled for whatever reason. I can't ever tell if it's Duggan or Dugan. Jerry. You uh, could call us. Just, you know. Yeah, I mean. Give us the phonetic pronunciation of your last name. Yes. <laughs> and bring a six pack. <laughs> what he does with, what he has done well with Deadpool, because he's been on and off the, the main Deadpool uh, for quite a while, mm-hmm. is not just the humor, because this is a funny Deadpool in this issue. Yes. But giving him human motivations beyond oh, I can see off the page and I know I'm in a comic book, although this one clearly knows he's in a comic book. He does. He's got the one thing, you know, ooh, Hawkeye, the Hawkeye and Deadpool versus Jail be a good title. <laughs> yes. It's a case of Deadpool as a killer seeing Hawkeye do this thing that probably should have been done a long time ago and Deadpool deciding, well, look, I don't think it's wrong what he did, so I'm going to spring him. I'm going to get him out. Yeah. And he, and he goes so far as he talks it over with Kate Bishop he goes so far as to get a clean passport and walking around money so that he can, you know, start a new life somewhere and not have to, you know, be Clint anymore. Yeah. There's a ton of humor because it flashes back directly to the shooting scene with right from the gate, <laughs> the Deadpool, I think on the first page saying, so it goes the way these things always do. And you've got a bunch of people screaming at Bruce Banner. And I want to say, when has this ever turned out well for anybody? <laughs> True. And telling jokes as the whole thing goes through. and the, Yeah, the, like when, when Clint's arrested, hey, Clint, what are they arresting you for? One count of living the dream? Yeah, it's <laughs> just the, the humor is there, but the idea that Deadpool would say, no, I understand why you did what you did. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get you out. Uh, to the point of when Hawkeye turns him down, Deadpool, in his own way, I think, being very serious, saying uh, the first body's the worst. The more you kill, the more they'll hit. So don't worry, you'll be the Punisher in no time. Well, it, actually, yeah, it's... it's told with a just this awful humor that he has because Clint is feeling badly. He, it's implied he has never killed before in his capacity as uh, Hawkeye. And and so he's taking this poorly, you know, despite what we might have seen in movies or whatever. He somehow never killed a human being before. Yeah, and that's part of why he's willing to stay there and face the music. He'll do it right as a defendant, keep yeah. my mouth shut and get my lawyer and I'll face justice, but I deserve to face justice. Yeah, so, so Deadpool said... I, I do have some good news, and Clint is looking for anything, some light at the end of at, at this because he feels so badly. And he goes, "What?" And he goes, "It gets better, huh?" <laughs> no, you know, your first kill is always the hardest, but you know, after that, you know, it gets easier, and you, you pretty soon you be sleeping like a baby. Like, like that's not what Clint was looking for. <laughs> yeah, well, and Clint laughs in his face, but I think Deadpool, in his own way, is being deadly serious. Yeah, it's you know, any it is yeah any killer character. Yeah, I, I'm not going to 
presume uh, presume to understand the motivations of any real killer. Now let's but get it, into the mind of the killer, yeah, shall we? But any killer character, yeah, it's the first one is always supposed to be the hardest, but once you're on that path, that's the path you're on. So as far as Deadpool, who's a very meta character, is concerned, it's like, all right, you started, this is who you're going to be now. And, you know, after after Clint turns him down, he's like, look, I'm going to keep this passport and money available for you indefinitely. My offer stands. It's 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 a really stand up thing for a character that is traditionally just sort of seen as crazy and out for him only himself. Yeah, I mean he's still the same goofball he always is in this comic, but he's a much more human motivation than you see in a lot of Deadpool stories yeah. over the years. Yeah. So it just it, it really struck me and it, this that part of the book I thought was really solid. I thought the whole thing was cuz we go from there to with God as my witness, how they're going to rehabilitate Medusa and Captain Marvel from this Ulysses pre-crime shit, I have no idea. Because I want to punch Medusa in the face. Well, Cap, it'll be waved away by, oh, he was brainwashed by Hydra. Our Cap wouldn't have done that. Well, yes, I mean, that piece will be waved away. But everybody else in Civil War on that side is being motivated by, nope, it's the right thing to do to send law enforcement to arrest people before they do anything. Yeah. And it just comes off worse and worse and worse with every issue. I expect what will happen is that the Inhumans will ship back off to New Adelin and they'll probably write about them less and they'll just go away. Well, they've pulled the movie off the schedule, at least for right now. So I'm fine. I've said it a million times on this show. I don't give a fuck about the Inhumans. I've never have. They've tried like hell to make me care about them for the last two, three years. It's not working. I don't give a shit. This is making me hate them more. Well, because the other thing at the end of this that gets into play is, okay, the, the next precog, you know, we're going to tell you about your crime before it happens so we can stop it, involves Cable. And I wanted to, my, my direct reaction to that was, wait, no, Cable's going to start some shit that's going to go horribly wrong. It's a day that ends in Y. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That always Do something incredibly destructive that he thinks is going to be for betterment of mutant kind. It's a day that ends in Y. (laughs) Yeah, what was uh, when Cable came back about four or five years ago? uh, What was it? Avengers Extinction or Avengers Extermination? Or it was by yeah, it was uh, Ed McGinnis art, and it was written by Jeff Loeb, and it was truly abominable and stupid. (laughs) Just Avengers acting like morons. You've got this epic tale that takes place two-thirds of it in a fucking warehouse. (laughs) And Avenger goes into the warehouse. Avenger doesn't come out. Next Avenger says, oh, I better go get the first Avenger. Avenger goes into the warehouse, doesn't come out. Cue the next one. It's (laughs) it's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So the, Put him on a conveyor belt. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, the the appearance of Cable is never a good thing. No. It's never, not only does it lead to mayhem, but it leads to shit comics. I don't like Cable. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it for me, we were talking about the art with this. Um, Ryan Stegman's art is very reminiscent of the 90s. All of your characters that have muscles really have muscles. And all of your characters that, that are TNA are very TNA. I said it a million times that Ryan Stegman is like the 1990s threw up in my eyes. <laughs> I, I don't have quite the same visceral reaction. I think his... I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's not my favorite style of art. I think it really works for this book, though, because you've got Deadpool and Cable, who are very 90s characters in a way. <laughs> uh, totally. And I, I believe that uh, Rob Liefeld had a hand in creating both of them. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if you listen to Rob, it was all him. 
I, you know, now that I think about it, I don't see a lot of feet in this book. Go, go Stegman. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> don't make it worse. <laughs> you do your homage. So anyway, uh, we've got an uneasy alliance of characters. One who's generally just sort of a, a means of mass destruction where nothing good ever happens, Cable. Uh, you've got uh-huh. Rogue who could go either way at any time. And uh, then two characters who are classically seen as bad guys because we've got uh, Shaw from Sebastian the, Shaw, yeah, from the Hellfire Club, and Toad from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yes, which is one of the worst names ever. In it really is. <laughs> and they're going out looking for a cure for the disease that is caused by the Terrigen Mists to mutants which has been a source of, of consternation. Which they're going to have to get around because, yeah, I, I have to believe that everybody at Marvel is finally understanding that the Inhumans are a non-starter. Yeah. I mean, look, they've pulled it off the schedule for the movies. They've let the TV show go at it hammer and tong while still everybody around the TV show, even though it ostensibly takes place in the Marvel Universe, just pretends it's not happening. Yeah. It's just, a, just renew it, fine. It's making money, but... Well, you know, you know what they're going to try to do as, as a twist for next season? No. They they have cast a ghost rider. Okay. And then ghost rider is going to be on Agents of Shield. <laughs> All right. Why not? <laughs> he was a champion? Sure. Why not an Agent of Shield? <laughs> Cuz if, if there's one thing Johnny Blaze is, it's like, a team player. <laughs> just picturing like this casting like news like going out in variety and Nick Cage just at home cutting himself. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have the money for a razor. <laughs> Which oh, please, he's using the ragged edge of like a can of cat food because that's what he ate. Which Ghost Rider is it? Is it Johnny Blaze or is it Danny Ketch or Robbie Reyes? I'm I think that one, but I'm not sure. The the latest one yeah. uh, that was the art by Trad Moore. I think so. Okay, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. The one that drove a car, I think. Okay, I, <laughs> why not? I, I I did not. I wasn't. I didn't write this down as a note thinking I was going to talk about it on this show and all of a sudden here we are. So Yeah, this show is not our best planned episode ever. <laughs> like, yeah, we we're planning not even to do it. And then it's a no for the anniversary. It's we our gotta, anniversary. We have to we have to have to hang the flag. Yeah. Have to hang something. <laughs> that came out wrong. It came out wrong. It came out wrong. So yeah, I mean, overall, Uncanny Avengers 13 uh, was one of, this is not a huge week. There were not a ton of, you know, yay, these are the best comics. There were some solid books this week. Of Un- Uncanny Avengers 13 was one of my solid ones this week. I enjoyed Tokyo Ghost this week, which I know you haven't really yeah, been reading. Yeah, I have read that one um, it, it came to its conclusion with this issue this week. And I recommend it. Those of you that like um, sort of quirky dystopian future, this is Remender's look at um, or comment on the way that we are addicted to technology in our society. And it's got Sean Murphy art, punk rock Jesus guy. (laughs) So it's got, it's got a very sort of jagged sort of look to the art, which is, is cool. It's not completely anime looking, but it it takes some cues from that. And I think a favorable way. Well, as somebody talking into a microphone that's going over the internet to our listeners' smartphones and tablets, I can say, fuck Rick Remender. Be addicted to technology. <laughs> I think it's a good book. So um, I'm hoping it's going to be collected into a trade soon. And if, if not already, go out and get it if you have not read it. All right. I'll have to give that one a try. Okay. Generally, you don't steer me wrong. Okay. You made me watch Rocky Four last night. That was a mistake. But... I was drunk. <laughs> that's... <laughs> if that's an excuse... You have a lot to answer for, because <laughs> there's a large percentage of time that covers. Fuck you, I'm sick. 
Oh, the universal excuse will get you out of anything. <laughs> How could you shoot that guy? Fuck you, I'm sick. Oh, all right, that's a valid legal defense. <laughs> How would you come to work this way? Fuck you, I'm sick. Oh, all Ooh. right, you must be feeling poorly. Yeah, it's the universal excuse. Works for everything. Yeah. Thank you, Hunter Thompson. <laughs> All right, yeah, definitely a short show. We're coming in uh, 45, 50 minutes. Hey, we're following you for your whole commute, and and, and we can bookend it. <laughs> yes. Like I said, we wanted to make sure we, we did a show for our anniversary because we were feeling like, oh, yeah, it's we have to have to at least nod at it. Plus, yes. there were a few good books this week. There were. Next week, we'll see. The, the one big thing was, I don't think we got any Rebirth books this week, did we? Well, this Suicide Squad War Crimes book is branded as a Rebirth book. Is it? Okay. It felt like it was late on DC this week, which is weird because I've really generally Watchmen shit aside. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> been enjoying most of the rebirth. I stuff. have to go. Th- I have to go through them, but I mean, I read a JLA book that was the Brian Hitch one, and that's not a rebirth book. No, it's that's the old not Superman. A, yeah, that's not a rebirth book. That's actually the JLA rebirth arc is over, and now we're <laughs> jumping back to the Rao is taking over the world arc that was going on before rebirth. JLA is a real shit show, is what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> if you just got into JLA with Rebirth, just skip this week. You're not going to have a fucking clue what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, the Rao arc was uh, only it's, me. It's yeah, it's not doing a lot for me. We'll see. I haven't made my list of what to pick up for this week yet, so I can't address what's coming out this week. But we'll have good books. We will. And it'll probably be a longer show next week. But I would imagine so. For right now, any, anything else, or should we wrap it up? No, I think we, I think we can stick this. Yes. All right. We'll we'll call it a day uh, in the middle of a long weekend. We need rest too. Yes. Booze. <laughs> Beer me now. Okay. Anyway, don't know where you found this particular episode of this podcast. But you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. uh, That is facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We're on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at infinitemidlife. Uh, Is that right? Sometimes I always choke. At infinitemidlife is our Twitter handle. We're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. And if that is how you got the show, do us a favor and subscribe through iTunes. Or give us a rating. Give us a review. It helps new people find the show. We like your feedback. We're not needy at all. No, please call. Why don't you call? You can find us on Stitcher. (laughs) We're on Google Play. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Did I leave anything out? I think you got everything. All right, then let's wrap it up. This has been episode 127 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening for five years and hopefully for many more. And, uh, And derp. I am Groot. (laughs) Yo, Adrian.